This is NRL Boom Rookies. Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of Boom Rookies presented by ESPN. I am Matt Bungard and with me today, Nick Campton. Hello Hello. everyone. It's good to be back for another sterling week of podcasting action. An unseasonably pleasant Monday morning in (laughs) Sydney. Um, Last couple of days have been great. We both wore shorts yesterday. In June? What a treat. It's, um, yeah, as we come into what's supposed to be the most miserable part of the year, both for me as a South Sydney fan and and weather-wise, uh, we've been pleasantly surprised with one of those. <laughs> Not both. And if Souths are going to gonna be shit, it may as well be on a sunny day. That's right. Okay, but we've got to go all the way back to Friday night. We just had the one game, but um, it went about as well as you'd expect for a Dragons team that is just completely... Uh, sort of in the wilderness at the moment with both their star players' head being turned elsewhere and just their honour to a product not being great as the Warriors surged their way into the top four, Nicholas. Well, yeah, I, I think I said last week that I was beginning to have some pretty high expectations for the Warriors um, and this was the exact sort of performance I was looking for, you know, not just not just beating the Dragons, who were obviously very beatable at this point, but doing it in style and mm. like looking great doing it and looking dangerous all over the field. You know, with the strike that they have down the edges, with the confidence Sean Johnson's playing with at the moment. I think he's put together two or three really good weeks now after a bit of a after a you know, a couple of down weeks. And that sort of supercharges this Warriors attack. You know, Fanul Blake, excellent again. Harris, excellent again, with Tenny Zalesniak finishing every single chance he got. Chance Nickel Klukstad looking a lot more comfortable as a passer in their attacking structures. Um, I really think that the, the Warriors should be should re, should be dreaming very very big right now. I think that people are still sleeping on them a little bit, but I think if and when they handle Souths next Friday night mm. and go what one win behind the Broncos. Well, beyond that, they've got six of their last nine games in New Zealand, and I think the New Zealand punters are going to be showing up for the team in a really big well, way. I believe next week's already sold out. Yeah, that's that's right. The Friday game against Souths is already sold out. It would have been a very, very long time since a Warriors game was sold out that far in advance. So when you take into account the big, rowdy home crowds they're getting, and it's a pretty good draw to finish the season as well, I think they've got Souths, and I think they've got the Sharks. Both those games are in New Zealand. But I think that's it in terms of sort of they, top six they play teams. play Parramatta in West Oh, yeah, Sydney sorry, Parramatta's well. the other one. But, but I think right. that's it for the for the rest of the season. They've got Canberra as well, but they've got Canberra in New Zealand. Yeah, they, and they should be able the, to handle the last, that. Like, they finished the season, their last five games after they get... So they do have a tough run next four weeks. South, Parramatta, Cronulla, Canberra. Yep. No no easy wins there. But they finished the year Titans, Tigers, Manly, Dragons, Dolphins. Mm. Well, I like that they're going to have a bit of a, a, bit of a gamut in these next four weeks to run because I think at the end of that four weeks, we'll know exactly how good they are. They had a similar sort of... They had a similar period earlier this season where... I think they had the Storm and the Roosters and somebody else in quick succession, and they lost all three of those games. It was um, so, Souths, wasn't it? No, it was was it Roosters? I can't remember. We haven't played them yet. Yeah. Well, anyway, anyway. Who was it? They, and they lost those games, and there were some promising signs in there, but we're at the point of the oh, season it was Pen- now. Oh, it was Penrith at Magic Round. That's right, yeah. yeah. But we're sort of at the point now where we don't want promising signs. We want to see a team mm-hmm. go to the next level. And I think they've got the capabilities to do that. Yeah, it's, it's strange because, like... They were short favourites in that origin-affected game against the Broncos a few weeks ago, and they came up short, and I think that result disappointed a lot of people mm. of a Warriors persuasion because, again, with the players the Broncos were missing in that game, they really should have taken care of them. And I know Brisbane did 
defend great and worry and the Warriors did bomb a bunch of tries in that game. But it did it was a disappointing result for them that they've since come out and scored 30, 36, and 48 in three crushing wins, two of which came in Sydney uh, in, in New South Wales as well. So mm. well Canberra's technically I don't know what you want to call it, but <laughs> whatever. Don't don't get angry at me, Territorians, please. But um yeah, they've they've answered the critics well and truly in the last three weeks. And you're right, there's not really sort of any weaknesses that they're showing at the moment. Like usually you can look at you can look at some of the other top teams and points to sort of areas of the field that where they're not executing, they're not that there's something that other teams can exploit. Like for South, it's the it's it's the halfback. For Cronulla, it's the forward pack. For the Storm, it's sort of their lack of depth. For Brisbane, as good as they've been, there's a couple of guys that are a bit error prone and a bit bit sloppy. But the Warriors are just sort of this well-oiled machine yeah. at the moment. They're not very, really... Very, very well-rounded, surprisingly. Yeah. So, And you can look at maybe their two to five and say, wow, well, there's not a lot of star power there. But Marcelo Montoya is the Career most improved season. player in the league. Absolutely. Like, and it's been going on long enough that I don't think it's a flash in the pan. I think he'll play this way for the rest of the season. Mm. Well, Tenny's a Lesniak's in fantastic form. First ever hat-trick. Yeah, that, was, that surprised yeah. me too. Um He's always been a really solid yardage player and a very good finisher, and I just think he's really benefiting from some good coaching right now. And Rocco Berry and Adam Pompey might not be big names, but Berry's very, very solid. And Pompey's been another quiet success story mm. for them this year. You know, he's probably not probably doesn't give them a whole lot in terms of strike, but he's a very talented offloader and just sort of moves the ball where it has to go. And yeah, I, I think you've really nailed it. Yeah. They are just a, a, a well-rounded side with a lot to offer. It's, it's all crazy. Over the park. You, you look at that two to five at the start of this season, and you would have thought it was. Well, among we picked the worst. it as their big weakness. Didn't yeah, we? and but like Montoya, I think along with like you say, he's the most improved. But I definitely agree there. But like him and Sami, I think have been the two best wingers potentially. Whoa. Like maybe well, he's been that good. Yeah, like which is crazy to think. It's, mm. it's, I mean, there's obviously got other guys who are having good seasons, but I mean that is incredible in itself. So. Mm. I want, yeah. to, I want to shout out Luke Metcalf just really quickly. He's someone that I think has been ready for first grade for quite a while. Um, didn't get many games last year because he was at the Sharks and he'd signed for the Warriors before the season had even started. And the Sharks kept him around just in case nothing went something went wrong, but nothing went wrong so he didn't really play in the first much. But he's really, really got it. He's a really sharp runner of the ball. You could see on, those, um, on that pass he threw to Marcelo Montoya for his try in the first half that he's sort of got some really nice... Creative touches in him as well. I think he compliments Sean Johnson really, really well. And while he is still a little bit inexperienced, he's someone who I think could really, really come to life over the final weeks of the competition. So he's he's someone to keep an eye on. Yeah, the Dragons, I mean, a very sort of toxic atmosphere at the stadium. Mm-hmm. There was the booze raining down on Ben Hunt specifically. And it's interesting. I mean, so we're recording on Monday morning. I was just on my way to your place when we saw the news that the Dragons are planning on blocking. Yep the Ben Hunt transfer to the Broncos. I mean, we may as well talk about that now since we're talking about the Dragons and there's not much else to say about their on-field product. Um, so I saw a lot of people, and I don't know, I don't think there's a right or a wrong side on this. I just think it's, it, it, just, it really just comes down to a personal preference on how you feel about mid-season and transfers in general. But I do want to address two things that I've seen a lot of, particularly Broncos fans, two points they've been making very loudly on social media over the last couple of days. The first of which was people saying, oh, well, you didn't care when it was this guy or this guy and this guy. You just care because it's Ben Hunt. And my response to that is, yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's that's how it works. Yes. No one gave a shit when Daniel Saluka Fafida went from the Roosters reserve grade team to yeah. the South's reserve it's a, grade it's team. A, it's a bit it's a No bit one different. cares that Ken Mamalo has gone from not playing for the Tigers to not playing for yeah, the Tigers. Yeah, it's a bit different when it's the Queensland and Australian hooker. Like, like. What, what the, are these people from Mars? Like, how disingenuous can you be? So that's point one. And then point two 
is people going, oh, no one cared when Tavita Pangai did it. Yes, they yes, did. Yes, they did. People That's blew up That's the only other it. one yeah. I can think of that people did care about yeah. because it's the only other one in recent memory where it was like, and he's nowhere near the level of Ben Hunt in terms of impact, but it was the only time in recent history where the player who's gone through that mid-season transfer has been like a real difference maker yep. for a top team straight away. So, of course, people are going to be more upset with Ben Hunt than Joe Burgess. Like... <laughs> It's just asinine that they're even trying to make that as a sincere point. But anyway, I don't like it because it affects my team's chances of winning a premiership. <laughs> oh, look, I, I'm i I'm a big, big Ben Hunt guy. Everybody knows that. I don't love the manner that this is playing out, and I but I think the Dragons are playing this the right way. I agree. You have to dig your heels in. Mm. Just because he requests a release doesn't mean you have to grant it. And while they are very much a team that is already looking to next year, and you can kind of tell that with the way they're playing at the minute and sort of the, some of the moves they're making, I think dig your heels in until someone offers you something that you like in return for releasing Hunt. You know, that that's that's the way this that's the way this game is played. And if that has to wait until the off season, then wait until the off season. They're the ones with all the power. They have what it they have what the what the other guys want. They got yeah. they got Ben Hunt, right? You know? So they're, they, that, so they're, in, they're in control of this situation, and if they fuck it up, then that would really reflect poorly on them, I would say. Because if you lose a player of this caliber at this point in the deal, you have to get something in return. You have to. And you can't, like the Broncos can't say, oh, mate, have uh, Corey Jensen, mm. or have Corey Pay, mm. or have some other person named Corey, but not Corey Oates. You know what I mean? Like, you need to get something decent in yeah. return. And it can't, and it can't just be money because I saw a, I saw a piece. I think it was in the Telegraph today, and there was outlining the ten reasons why the Dragons should release Hunt, and one of them was oh, it'll free up all this cap space for him. It's like, what's good cap space? What good is cap space if you, if there's no one to spend it on? Yeah, you know, like I'd rather have Ben Hunt than a Ben Hunt sized hole in my salary. Exactly, and like you can have all this money, but there's no guarantee that someone else will want that. Correct. Money, you know, and so I, I think I think you know. Part of any journey is the end, and part of the way that the Dragons manage this exit could be very important for them going forward, not just in getting a good player and if I'm out a, of the Titans or the Broncos, but just sort of showing as well that we're not a we're like we have been a joke in the past, but we're not now. We're mm. not going to be pushed around I, in this manner. I think that's the most important point. It's the optics on them. And if I'm a Dragons fan, I'm stoked that they dug their heels in. Me this too. Morning. Me they've, too. The Dragons have screwed up a lot of things in recent years. We're not yep. going to sit here and make excuses for them, but in this case, so far they've done the right thing, and I think that they need to really. Just hang in there and, yeah. and ride this out. Because, look, for the most part, apart from Broncos fans, nobody wants this to happen. So, mm. like, it's not, it's not even like it's going to be a case of, like, the public is overwhelmingly against them and sort of banging on their doors and ordering them to free Ben Hunt or any of this <laughs> stuff. Like, that's not going to happen. What about Saluka Fafita? Exactly. Yeah. Where were you then? Yeah, where were you then? <laughs> I will say, that was funny because they then the day he arrived at the club, they, they did a video with him and Jai Arrow. <laughs> About when he punched Jairo in the face, when nice. was like, which was very funny. I, I will say, if if the Broncos can pull this off somehow, oh, of and course. get Ben Hunt, I, I I already think they're a team that can win the premiership. But they they they're they get favorites. Ben Hunt, they be, uh, they become premiership favourites. Yeah. I would say. I think Penrith's still favourites in my eyes, but they'd be real close. Mm. They'd be real, real close. But um, team is getting further away with each and every passing week is the Dolphins, whose bright start to the season yeah, continues it's just a, to. It's just a memory now, isn't get it? Get away from them, and I think that's not just losing this badly but you know at home big crowd um get that early try and then just completely lay an egg after that and look it, w- it was a real feel good story for the first half couple of months of the season why haven't we expanded further why aren't there 25 teams in the NRL <laughs> but um why don't we build the entire competition out exactly, of Brisbane exactly but they are now 
Yeah, they're 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 now the lowest of the four Queensland teams on the ladder, which is incredible. Really? Yeah. Wow, that's that has snuck up on me. Mm. I think the, the concerning thing for for the Finns isn't just that they got a score put on them. I think it was the manner of the points. Like some of the some of the some of the Parramatta points came from them targeting Sean O'Sullivan and Cody Nickarima on the edges. O'Sullivan had a pretty pretty rough time of things on uh, on return from injury. But more concerning for me was the way that they kind of just got blown apart. You know, the amount of one-on-one misses, the amount of times where the Eels just were able to surge through so, so easily. Because when the Finns were doing great stuff earlier in the year, a lot of it was on the back of physicality and competitiveness. And that just seems to have run out on them a little bit. And I understand there's there's been some injuries and, you know, the, the magic dust always wears off and, you know, things probably aren't as exciting as they were in the first sort of couple of months of the season where every single week was a new first for them and then it was all, it was all sort of so fresh and exciting. But... I, there, there, there were a lot of players out there who I expected a lot more from. You know, so I thought mm. you know Kafusi had a shocker. The Bromwiches both had tough outs as well. Apart from apart from Tabuai Fidea and Valens Tavare, because Valens Tavare is perfect and can't do anything wrong. <laughs> apart from those two, I thought there were a lot of guys who should have done a lot better. Do want to shout out Braden McGrady. Debutant tries always, always love them. Great. But you know what's better than a debutant try? A debutant having the line in front of him for a double and throwing a pass behind his back that was for no reason. Bizarre. It was awesome. Brayden, <laughs> so Brayden, I, I liked it. And I, I, I did want it, more of it. That was um that try that that other try as well was Shades of ninety nine Blacklock grand final try as well. That was sick. The Tabo I fit yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. What's crazy is how much is how much sauce Vossi put onto the call. Yeah. Like They're I think down that, by a thousand I think points. they were yeah, they were down by I, I believe it was a million points. And he hit the big Amiso. It was Savoy for yeah. dude. Yeah, just like, like, bro. Um, I, he clearly he clearly came into the game and he was like, if he scores a long range try, I'm fucking dropping this, this on him. And yeah. I don't care. Ready to go. I don't care if it's sixty nil. Um, what's uh forty two and a half? That's a lot. What's the record? Do you know? Yeah, the record's forty eight. No, who was that? The Knights were leading the Cowboys forty eight nil at halftime of a game in two thousand and three. There you go. And then the mo- the record for most points in any half is 68 in the 91 to 6 game between the Dragons oh, okay. and the Bulldogs well, back in 1935. Kind of, kind of so it's yeah. But yeah, 40 42 is quite a lot and um It is. Parramatta um they've sorted everything out, haven't they? Yeah, I know it's only been a couple of weeks but like they they're not looking like this team that we were saying off oh, they lose to Souths this week, it's probably season over, which we were saying like We no we were, ago. we were and, and maybe it would have been, but they won that game and they've um continued to sort of catapult the way up the ladder they're now a win behind Penrith so yeah well they've really put it together sort of over the last over the last month um how many times in the first part of the season did we say oh you know Parramatta they keep playing to the level of opposition but Mm. they've sort of they got out of that habit so it was good to see a performance like this where they play a team that they are clearly much better than and they act like it and they played like it you know and at half time, it was like fucking get the record books out, yep. man. Like this could get, this could get absolutely crazy. They like they went off the boil a little bit in the, in the second half, but it, like it's very rare that that you see a team put on something close to a record score in the first half and then go on with it. Like there's a reason yeah, that yeah, not yeah, many yeah. games are eighty nil or whatever, you know. Um, but it looked really, really good. Moses is playing fantastic footy. Um, I think Clint Gutherson's having a really good year. We haven't talked about Picking him Freddy. much this season, but. He, he's 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 enjoyed a, a a really consistent campaign. Um, Dejan Arce again finding some really nice touches. This uh, Josh Hodgson neck injury, mm. which is meant to keep him out for a while. I think that's a that's probably like I hate saying this. I really hate this, but it's going to make the team better. 
because Hans is just looking so comfortable out there. And I want to give a shout-out to Bryce Cartwright, who's having a really, really good season on that right edge. I think he's been so good at second row that they're kind of... They're, they can be a little bit... Um, well, they can afford to give Sean Lane all the time he needs to come back from from his injury. Like, he's mm. someone that's barely played this year. So you think of this team they got now, and it can still get a lot better because Lane's there. You know? So all of a sudden, this Parramatta team is looking a lot like the side that did so well last year, and their attack is... is is just going crazy at the minute. You know, they've scored the most points in the league by miles and miles. They've got 440. No one else has more than 400. No one else has more than 370. Wow. That's quite a lot of points. Yeah, man. They're going fucking crazy out there. So, yeah. And I haven't had a look at what their their draws like, but they got... Two home games against Warriors and Titans next two. And they got to buy this week. Okay. Well, that Warriors game will be... That Warriors game should be a beauty. I can't wait for that. But yeah, Parramatta, a team on the grow. Okay. Um, it when you're like a team, when you're a fan of a team that's sort of like in the mix for those top spots, and yep. you're you do you, you do death ride the other good teams a little bit when they're playing bad teams. Yes, like, that's, of that's totally natural. That's in, the case in any sport. So when Penrith rested all of their Origin players to play Newcastle, and I'm sure you're the same as me, both honorary Knights fans for the day, <laughs> expecting them to just win the game. No. They couldn't. Like, <laughs> what are they doing? I don't know. I I think the Knights are really approaching a point of no return with Adam O'Brien. I, agree. I, I think it's. I think he's. If he's going to get moved on, it's going to happen really soon because I think they are playing a little bit like a team that wants a change. You know, on paper they should have they should have smoked this Panthers five side. one and nine now. Yeah, they should have smoked this Panthers side because on paper that's a good Knights team with a lot to offer. And I think there's just a lot of blokes on there that aren't really that aren't responding to mm. to, to, to to whatever O'Brien's putting down anymore. You know, this was very this was very similar to the loss against the Roosters, where the Knights they got worked in the middle and their mm. attack in the twenty was really poor, and they had enough footy to win the game, and they just couldn't seem to find. Well, it seems like no matter who Penrith touches. have on the field, their defense is going to always be there. Well, and, that, and, that, and, mate, that's it. Penrith are never going to fall apart. No, but you got to remember um, the, the the Cowboys were. In a in a match where they weren't probably any much close to their best, they were still able to find points against Penrith. There were there are chances out there, even if the, yeah, even yeah. If, like even if Penrith you know defend very well, there's always going to be chances out there. To me, Penrith in this one were a little bit like the Broncos without their Origin players a few weeks ago. Like you could just tell that the system was so strong, mm. and they they're so well drilled and so well coached that they just stayed on the job yeah. through the entire match you know so this was a real win for for infrastructure and for coaching i would say that was that that was the big difference well, here and yeah i just i think the i think the knights are going to have to pull the trigger on on o'brien pretty pretty soon it's 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 got to a point now cuz like this is a team that i don't think on paper they're the worst anywhere near one of the worst teams in the comp and i think that we've sat here probably after five or six knights games this year that they've lost and gone they probably should have won that, or they yep. could have won that at the very least. And those, you know, over the course of a season, four or five, four or five wins is going to be the difference between making the finals and, and being near the bottom of the ladder. So, yeah, it's difficult to try and put your finger on what exactly the problem is if it's not just a general attitude that's yeah. the coach is allowed well, to foment. I, 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 would, so. I would say it's a lack of attention to detail, and that showed up really, that was really apparent to me with the Jamin Salmon try. So it's a slow play the ball right near the line and the Knights have plenty of time to sort of form up their defense. 
and Adam Elliott is just is standing at marker and he's just up he's up high so he's not getting down low so he's not going to be able to stop the dummy half and Salmon just goes over incredibly easily you know they just, they just gave it to him they just let him have it you know and it's just it's just little 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 lapses like that that keep adding up all when the time Thomas and they scored, sort of, I thought they were going to go on with it well yeah and, and it just sort of stops this team from yeah. from hitting the potential that their roster kind of promises you and, know um, I thought Jack Hogger played really well again. Think. Just really tidy. He, he's Just a guy. Really tidy. He, he could be sort of the next Sean O'Sullivan in the sense that another, a team might be on the lookout for someone. Just a, a good pair of hands in the halves. Well, I, you know what? I'm glad to see him play some good footy because a very a very decorated junior player. And then I think he got thrown into first grade before his time at the Knights in that sort of 2016 2017. Not period. a great place. Not to a great develop. time to come in. Um, <laughs> And I think it just sort of it just stunted his development a little bit, and he had some okay mm. days at, at Canterbury, but um, went over to, over to Super League, coming back, and it, and it's nice to see a guy sort of put his career back together a little see, bit, well, you know, I because was, he, um, he had a, he had a, he had a tough old start of it. If I was Blake Soley, I'd be picking up the phone. I'm, I'm <laughs> I know, I know you would be. Um, but we, yeah, we, we're getting there, sports fans. Don't yeah. worry. Night nights. Big like next three weeks, there's a world where they get six points and pull themselves out of that wooden spoon conversation because they got bulldogs by West Tigers. Yeah, so big three weeks coming. Gut check, up. Gut check time. I like I, they, I don't, I don't think they'll make they, the finals. They but if they, the even, if they even want to pretend that they're gonna, it's time they obviously to get have moving. the buy. But if they don't win at least one of those two games, I think that there's probably going to be a coaching change at the end of that little three week stretch because after that's the storm at home and then a trip to Canberra. So damn tough, tough times ahead. Um, this will segue us to the next game, so we'll talk about it now. Why were Knights fans upset about what Christian Welch said? Because I took that to, I took Christian Welch's comments to be like he was shocked that the Knights lost, that he thought the Knights were going to win. Yeah. So like, why are they upset that someone thought their team was going to win? I I I don't know. Okay. I don't know. Like in, you know what Knights fans are like. Yeah. You know they're a, they're an emo- they're an emotional bunch, and I can appreciate that. And probably a frustrated bunch at the minute. Yeah, so. absolutely. Yeah, but I, I think Welch spoke for all of us. Yeah, and no. Well, like he he wasn't wrong. The Knights no. should, the Knights should have won that game. They had the team. I to thought do they it. were going to win. Yeah. Oh well, I don't. Sorry. Once I saw the team changes, I thought. Yeah. Well, win. once the team changes came in, I was like, well, yeah, the Knights should really. Yeah. Should really, you know, bit of TCB right here, but, but no, uh, Penrith remain on top of the table, which is just so annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking whatever, whatever. But yeah, Storm played manly. We thought that perhaps the late inclusion of Ray Vega would be the difference, but Nick, it was not. <laughs> well, it wasn't, but he 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 had all the Ray Vega craziness that we've come to know and love. Mm. Is he only allowed to play against the Storm? Correct. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. They're they're just sort of. I mean. It, Man, I mean, the, the, the knives have been sharpening for Anthony Siebel for a couple of weeks now. I think there's been a lot of mere culpas from people who were championing this as a great hire at the start of the season. Not mm. that you and I were in that bunch, but some people were for whatever reason. But I think there's been a lot of mere culpas in the last couple of weeks. And I love it when you get Italian. Not on. And um, it seems that especially without Tom Tapojevic, that they're a team that is just going to be going through the motions for the rest of the season. They've got six wins and a draw through 15 games now. So that's 17 points. They're three win. They're they're you know they're two and a half wins outside the eight with the worst four and against or four and against doesn't matter because they got the half wins. But they're, they're two and a half wins outside the eight and like just sort of struggling to see how they're going to sort of make up that ground when not only do they play, you know they've got the Panthers. Well, actually their draw's not that bad. Apart from the Panthers and the Sharks, they've got a pretty soft run. But it's just difficult to see them winning a bunch of games without Tom. Yeah, I. I didn't think they were bad in this game. I thought there was a, there was a lot of effort, but it was just sort of they sort of lacked a consistency through the eighty minutes. You know, like 
they would put together 10 strong minutes and then something would happen like the Ray Vega fumble on the first Xavier Coates try, you know, or they just, or they just, or they just wouldn't, wouldn't cover a kick or, you know, there'd be a blown defensive read like on the Nelson Osofa Solomon try, you know, it was just consistency through the 80 minutes was a struggle for them. And with Trebojevic out, that margin for error becomes really, really slim, you know, and I think now, I, I, I agree. I think they're just kind of going to be in a holding pattern for the rest of the season. I, I would like it on the record, by the way. You were filthy at me the other week for taking Nat Butcher in front row Friday. Mm. I was going to take Nas, but he was named in the back row, so I didn't do it. Well, you couldn't. Out of respect it, for well, the game. Well, no, it just wouldn't have been allowed. I know, that's what I'm saying. Like, so you, just live, be, be, you live by yeah. the team selections, you die by the team selections. Yeah, but I don't I don't give you a pat on the back for not breaking the law every day, do I? Well, you should. Maybe, <laughs> maybe if more people got pats on the back for not breaking the law, there'd be less crime. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um, but yeah, the Storm continued the, the really nice progress that they've made mm. over the last couple of weeks. Um, I thought it was impressive that when Manly sort of started pretty fast and scored the first try, the Storm didn't panic. They stayed on the job. And they really found that consistency through the 80 minutes that Manly very much lacked. Mm. You know, I thought um, Jonah Pezzett was terrific at 5'8". At, at you know, it's all, when Munster drops out, it's always a little bit you know, what's going to happen here. But I thought he was just really, really tidy and just, just, just really smart. And like, I want to, I want to specifically point to those two kicks that he put in for the, for the coach tries at the end. I think it was clear that Melbourne's attack was probably lacking some of the game breaking capabilities that Munster provided, but Pezzett was just really smart in that he knew that if he put those kicks into the corridor of uncertainty mm. and if he kept doing it, eventually the storm were going to get a result. And that might be an error or it might be a try or it might just be a repeat set. But he just sort of stayed at it. He just put the ball in an uncomfortable area for the opposition and trusted that things were going to... If he kept making those smart choices, things were going to work out. And then it ended up happening on both the coach tries. So I was very, very impressed by Pezzett. Yeah, or- Origin Xavier. He's all the way back. So. <laughs> he was feeling himself a little bit, wasn't he? I did enjoy that one where he very clearly put his arm on the sideline before before <laughs> scoring and went up like it scored. I thought, mate, you are definitely not scored. Here. I know. I like, we've, we've sledged him a fair bit this year, but... Um, that, that finish on the last try mm. where he nearly hurdles the Mate, corner post, yeah. that was pretty exceptional. Yeah, I, I, people do, like, on his day, he is a freak athlete and capable of some things on the wing that not many players are capable of. It's mm. just that his days have been few and far between since he went to Melbourne. But, yeah, he was good in yeah. this one. Origin, you know, you, you, we talk about how Origin has a bad effect on some players. It can derail teams even, mm. but maybe it's had the reverse effect on him. Well, maybe, so, because that can happen sometimes. Like a guy gets in and he gets that confidence boost and it can change the trajectory of his mm. season. Um, I thought Jerome Hughes was really strong again for Melbourne. He's really stepping up at this time of year. three good halves. Which well, is, well. No, but it's what, it's, it's what the Storm really needed because, you know, Grant and Munster have got a lot on right now. So they need Hughes to take more control and take more control he has. So really impressive stuff from him. And I got to tell you, I am fucking fired up for Friday. Yeah, it should be good. We've got two Bangors. We've got Warriors Souths Mm. and then we got Storm Panthers in the unfamiliar sounds of the Telstra Dome. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, So it's the first first game at the Telstra Dome in, oh, geez, it'd be nearly 10 odd years now, I reckon. Yeah, yeah. So... Um, Open the roof, brother. Absolutely, yeah. and let and and let the moonlight in. Yeah, look, it's great. Melbourne have a bunch of really good players, and they're right at the top of the ladder again. Yeah, and they're going to get Ryan Pappenhausen back at some point. Well, fantastic! It was really, really well. No, like I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how they go this week because they've done a very good job of handling Not the teams they're supposed to handle over the <laughs> last couple of weeks. But now this is a jump. This is a big jump, and there's a lot of history between the Storm and the Panthers. And yeah. I think they're going to go hell for leather. And I think we're going to learn. 
Well, we already know how good Penrith are, but we're about to learn exactly how good Melbourne are. Yeah, well, I, can't, can't, I can't wait to find so out. So there'll be no Nathan Cleary still, but uh, we'll see. I mean, you'd imagine that Papam and Pappenhausen, both teams will be getting up there again in terms of strength. They'll be pretty close to mm. up there. So, yeah, we'll see. Very keen for that double header. Um, more so the second one. The first one, not so keen for. But anyway. We're, get, we're getting there, sports fans. Shut we're, up. We're drawing ever closer. Oh, God. Oh, he's going to be sad about South. Yeah, I am. <laughs> um, I walked into that stadium feeling great because the Titans had just upset Brisbane um, again. Uh sort of taking away a win from one of those teams above us. So feeling great after what can only be described as a competent performance, one on defense well, by the Gold Coast Titans. Okay, every now and then, every now and then the Titans do this. Like they did it against they did it against um, Manly early this season where they came down to Brooklyn just sort of handled business. They did it the other week against the Tigers. Every time we think they're going to do something, every time they do something crazy mm. and we expect more craziness, they do the craziest thing possible, which is the sanest thing possible. Yeah. They put together a performance like this. I thought Brisbane's execution in the first half amid a lot of chances was was probably just a little bit off. And when you combine that with some of the great scramble defense from the Titans, that kind of just really did the job for them. Like they scored that David Fafita try just before half time. But before that, they'd been camped on their line for about 10 or 15 minutes and they just did, they did really, really well. I thought he Brisbane was really good. Away again, turn them away again and again. And you're right, Fafita was really strong. And then getting the double strike, so the one just before half time, then the one the try just after half time as well that he set up for Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Great pass. Just really, just, just really, really and then good I've stuff. I've never seen Selwood Cobber look slower than. Yeah, I, mean, I know it's a bad read, but holy shit, Cam Pereira! Well. Yeah, Cam well, yeah, Pereira just left him, just left him in the dirt, you know. And the, considering the Titans were without Tino in the middle of the field, they needed someone to step up, and, and Fodawaka did it. Like it, backing up from Origin, playing seventy minutes, running for two hundred meters, he was just exceptional. That left side that mm. I've been banging on about all year looked really, really good again. Um, I think Kelly's having his best season in first grade. Khan Pereira continues to improve week to week. Really good stuff from the Toons. And to me, Brisbane Brisbane clearly had the weapons and the points to win this yeah. game. But I felt like instead of trusting the systems that have taken them to this point... Bit of hero ball in this A little game. bit. They were, like A lot of guys like, were looking I, for big plays. I think it was summed up when they got... A, like, was it a, a, when Reese Walsh chipped and chased for himself on the first tackle after, yeah. after that penalty? Yeah, like that, to me, they didn't just build into the game like they normally do. They didn't trust mm. their. Yeah, their I don't think Walsh or Reynolds had good games. They were both pretty poor, which is fine. Your good players are going to have yeah. average games sometimes, well, but it was, it's unfortunate like, when they happen on the same day. It was. It was one of those. It reminded me how young Walsh still mm. is. You know, he's still just twenty. Some decision making in this game yeah. was not great, and he, he. It's clear how much fire he has and how much he, he wants it, and he was chasing this game really, really hard. Mm. And that's where someone like Reynolds has to step in and say, "Brother, settle down. Like we, like we can, we can get this. We don't have to get it on every play. Let's just relax a little bit." But then Reynolds, Reynolds had had his own sort of tough uh, afternoon out there. I will say, I thought it was pretty dumb the disallowed try to yeah. to, to Walsh because I was watching at the pub without commentary, so I had to catch up on it later. But I'm I'm correct in thinking that they disallowed the try not because of the initial line of break. the initial one, but they were saying. Oh, Fafita was end. denied yes. the chance to chase that is, him that down. Is what, that is what was said. Yeah, see, I've never heard of that I've never before. heard of that interpretation like, either. They seem to just sort of pull that one out of nowhere. Like, so. it, it, like if you just disallow it for the initial obstruction, no one's mad. Yeah. Because, like, that was, like, I mean, the way they've called that in recent years, yeah. it was an obstruction. But 
you know, once you've let it go, the, was David Fafita seriously going to track 35 metres back to make a cover Known tackle? cover defender. Yeah, David known Fafita. effort merchant, David Fafita. <laughs> like, give me a break. But, um, yeah, a tough, t- tough one there for the Broncos to take. And then, yeah, but I, I think once they got within six, I, I think most people thought they were going to find a way to pull this out. We were sort of just waiting for the Titans to tighten it. And they didn't. They 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 played well. They did everything sort of... They didn't panic. They were they were smart. They took that two to make it six points. I thought it was probably the right call. Burned a bit of clock as well. And, and then, yeah, they just trusted their defense at the end. Um, the only thing I would have liked to see was for them to run backwards on the last play with 30 <laughs> seconds left. I don't know why they didn't. I really wanted that instead of Tannerboy just hoofing it like 50 meters away straight to Reese Walsh. <laughs> I didn't love that. But other than that, thought a really competent yeah. and professional performance from the Lenahan ball. It's Len- flying. I, 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 it's, it's clear that Lenahan is just one of those, one of those old footy heads. He's a good rugby league man. A good rugby league man. Like <laughs> yeah. he's just has coached in state cup forever. It's clear. The players all really like him. I loved him at halftime. How animated he was getting. It's great. Yeah. We're, we're, we're a couple of Lenahan lads right well, here. Absolutely. Don't worry about that. Want to wrap Tana Boyd? Think he was pretty well. good, pretty tidy. I know they probably got Ben Hunt coming next year, but Tana Boyd is is putting himself in the shot window and looking pretty good doing it. And no Titans review would be complete without us talking about something fucking crazy that Phil Sammy did. <laughs> it's the best. This time it was Khan Pereira dived over to score. I think he landed on the ball and winded himself. Yes, he did. It's clear he was in a bit of pain. What does Phil the Power Sammy do? What do you think he does? Fucking body slams him. <laughs> Jumps right on him. I love him. I, are, I love him. Is I he winner of the year right now? Well, he's playing in the centres at the minute. Yeah, but I want. Oh no, oh, he's kind of switched between centre and. It's tough. Like it's tough to give him one or the other. But I think, like, if I want to give Campbell Graham centre of the year and Philip Sami winger of the year, I want to be able to do that. Well, what if so. he's winger of the year in our hearts? Well, he definitely, he genuinely, just might be full <laughs> stop. Like I was thinking about this the other day, right? It's like Cobo hasn't had a great season. AJ hasn't really had a great season. Brian Toto's had a bit of a quiet season. Like we were talking about Marcelo Montoya earlier. It's like. Those two guys, who else is really up there for you in terms of being best wingers in the comp this year? Uh, the, wingers is always a tough one. Because it you, is. You, 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 you have, just look at tries. Well, you've but... got to look at the numbers a little bit. Like mm. you, could, you could throw Carl Pereira in there, honestly. Yeah, like probably good. He's had. Um, yeah, I think so I, was, I was hanging out with editor-at-large Mitch Doyle mm. after this game and I kind of said, what's, like, what's doing with Brizzy? And he kind of pointed out to me, and this was something I hadn't noticed, that there have been times this year where... They've, they've played teams that they should handle pretty easily and they haven't done it. And I think that just that probably is the last step for them. And that's a thing that comes with maturity and experience. And I mm. think because Brisbane can be so good that we can sometimes overlook that there is still a lot of inexperience there. Like, this is Walsh's first full season at fullback yeah. in first grade. Yeah. Like, he was he came in, came in halfway through 2021 and then 2022 he was sort of in and out on the side a little bit. This was his first, like... Full, full campaign, you know? And it's the same with Ezra M. This is his first full season as well. And they're a young team and a brash team and an exciting team. And I think sometimes those those emotions can, can kind of get the better of them. I thought it got the better of them in this one, you know? And yep. and it was a big occasion. It was Suncorp and a few of them are backing up off of Origin as well. So there's a lot of there's a lot of emotions going on. I think it was just, it was just mm. a lot. It's just a lot for a young team to deal with if they haven't dealt with that before. Yeah. It's, definitely, it's definitely preferable to the inverse though. <laughs> no, I mean, I like. No, no. I, what I mean by that is, like, you'd rather be a team that sort of has one of these. Like, the Roosters used to do it when they were winning comps. Like, you'd mm. just be one of those teams that, for whatever reason, will just drop a game against a team yeah. you shouldn't lose to. You'd rather that than be the Sharks, who can't beat the good teams. Because at the end of the year, when you're in the finals, there aren't any bad teams. Yeah. It's just yeah. the good teams. And Brisbane will be up for those games where it's most important. So, yeah, well, that- whilst this is a character flaw in their team, I, I still, like, I'm kind of not. Like, 
it doesn't concern me. No, like. no. Cause, and also because Brisbane, because of the TV deal and stuff, they play so many big games anyway. Yeah. Like every game's big for them almost. So yeah, it's just like, yeah, it was the perfect storm of what day game team they thought they should have beaten and they've been pretty good lately. So. Well, it's, it's, it's just, there's still a work in progress. Mm. You know, there are still levels for this team to hit. Yeah. And I think they'll get there. I thought it was good that Kevin Walters gave him a big spray after the game. Um, because I think in the back of their minds, they would be thinking a bit about last year and the fade out. And they're like, okay, well, we need to stop that happening again. So we've got to take some steps to prevent it. And I think I think they will. I think they'll be fine. They might be without Reese Walsh for a week or two, though. Yeah. Um, Referred directly to the judiciary. Yeah. Which, so, you don't, which you don't see all that often. What, and I can't remember the last time you saw it for someone spraying a ref. Yeah, well, apparently he dropped a, an old Emily C-bomb. So mm. you can't do that. No, no. Well, I, I think, I think Walsh is saying, Walsh's defense is going to be that he was saying it to Pat Carrigan. It's true, and not at the ref. So I don't know if that'll work or whatever. But yeah, that was just like those frustrations boiling over, and that was a common theme for Brisbane in this game. I, yeah, well, I think, I think, I think he'll probably miss a week or two, but I'd be surprised if it's any more than that. I mean, I personally think he should miss three games. That's uh, that's 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 just that's just a random arbitrary a random number, number that I've chosen that for no reason out at all. of nowhere. Yeah, uh, but uh, yeah, they've got WrestleMania two at the Gabba next week. I know on, yeah. a, <laughs> on a turning Gabba deck. Yeah. <laughs> how good's that going to be? That'll be sick. I do like. Obviously, it sucks. Like uh, for me, like we've talked about before, how like my team aren't playing in Sydney for two months, and that does suck. But we're going to see a bunch of footy at like weird venues for the yeah. next two months. And you got to cool. love that. Yeah. Like, Novelty is the only thing we have left in this broken world. You know? Yeah, I think it's there the hasn't only, been a, it's the only thing that still releases. I want a rugby league project. I think there hasn't been a game in like, at the Gabba since like the 1950s. There's like hasn't been like a Brisbane rugby a BRL game in the at the Gabba in like 1959 or something. That's pretty like cool. The last game there. So yeah, I need to look into this properly. But yeah, I, I think it's been quite some time since there's been a game there. So nice one. Yeah. All right. Um, we're there. I wish we were back in 1959. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds so good. Um, well, this season's gone off a cliff. It, you know what? It has. I was looking at the South's win-loss record. I was looking at sort of the, their season as Nine a whole earlier today, and it's four of their last five. Four of their last five. That pa- like as that Parramatta game was transformative for the Eels. Mm. It's also kicked off a bit of a bit of a whack run for yeah. Souths. Uh, in saying that, like they were. Like the team they put out against the Dragons wouldn't have beaten anyone, so yeah. that result don't care about. Kind of the same with that Raiders game; they were missing four or five really important players for that game too. So not, not too worried. But this was the this first. Is a bit different. This is a bit different because this was this was Scott Drinkwater. I did it. You did it. Um, just, <laughs> did he punish your team because you always get his yeah, name wrong? I think he did. Yeah. Um, this was just like you can't just have Scott Drinkwater run through the middle of your line twice in five mm. minutes and. The, uh, you know, you get games like this sometimes where it's just like there's nobody there. It's freezing cold. It's windy. It's quiet as everything because there's no atmosphere at that stadium. When there's, they claim there was like thirteen thousand people there, but I'm telling Lies. you, there was there's about fifty people there. It's, um, <laughs> you and forty nine of your closest. Yeah, friends. exactly. And it became apparent early on when the Cowboys just showed this desperation in defense. They were they were made a couple of really good try-saving tackles. They were sliding well when they needed to. They were jamming well when they needed to. And it sort of became apparent that Souths weren't going to have this their own way, which I think a lot of fans might have thought they would after the Tamalolo omission in, mm. uh, late in the week. Um, but yeah, they, they, they in general didn't struggle to move the ball up and down the field. But their last tackle options in this game were absolutely really diabolical. Cool. Like it was the classic... Every South fan has seen this game 
probably 10 to 15 times in the last five years. It was the classic Cody Red Mist game. I'm shocked he didn't end up fighting someone mm. because it was one of those games where nothing he was doing was working. He was he was spraying himself. He was spraying teammates. It was, we were we were placing bets at the pub on yeah, who he was going to fight. Gonna fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and like that was the only thing that was up for discussion in this game, sort of in terms of what had already been settled in the second half when it was 17-0. And I think that... like. I've, I don't think I've ever defended Lachlan Lillis. I think I've joked a lot about like, oh, he's clearly better than Reynolds because Souths are above Brisbane and all that stuff. But I think this game was a real low point for him. I don't think he's ever really strung together. Like he's had some good games for Souths. He has. Like I can't, but I can't ever remember ever saying that he was the best player on the field in a single game. And I know that that's not what Souths need him to be. But at a certain point, you do have to kind of wonder. If this is if this is going to play out the way South hope it does, because yeah, he was really poor in this game. He, he butchered a couple of overlaps in that first twenty minutes when the game was still a bunch. So it was that idiotic chip kick to Richie Kennard on halftime, which gifted them that point that made it five nil at halftime. The most dangerous lead. The most right? dangerous lead of all. Every time the Cowboys kept scoring at five nil, is that the most dangerous lead in rugby yeah. league? Eleven nil. The most dangerous lead in rugby league. Seventeen nil. Yeah. The most dangerous lead in rugby league. It's time to believe again. But um, well, that was funny. The whole time I was like, if we lose by one point, I'm going to just fucking... Well, I think well, that what would really concern me about Ilias, it isn't so much the attacking struggles. Like, we know that that can happen with him sometimes. Mm. But defensively, he was well, that really was the poor one in thing. this one. That and, was the one thing he was supposed to be better and at And that's normally such a strength for him. Yeah. You know, and he, I think a lot of the time he takes a lot of confidence from his defence as well. But they were just blowing past Keon him. Keon low-key bad in defence well, no, this year as well. Well, Keon, Colin Matangi was high-key bad in this yep. game. And I, I wonder... It's not the first time that he's sort of hit a bit of a flat spot when Origin is in the offing. You know, Corey Horsburgh had a, has had a, mm. a couple of games that are a little bit similar to it this year. So... I don't know. Maybe that's something. Maybe that's something he's got to yeah. he's got to work out. But I'm glad you pinpointed that sort of opening exchange because I felt like it was one of those games where the more times the cows turned Souths away, yeah. the more their confidence grew, Absolutely. and the more Souths got rattled that what they were trying wasn't wasn't really working. Um, Scott Drinkwater just fabulous. New South Wales fourteen. New, fabulous. Unironically, player. New South Wales fourteen. Yeah, mate. I'm I'm starting the campaign. Mm. I'm I'm vote early, vote often. Scotty D, number Imagine 14. Imagine if Dead Rubbers was fan vote. <laughs> fucking rule. Would you rig the votes? So, who would you rig the votes? To like, who would you rig the votes for? Well, Alex Johnson, obviously. Yeah, I was going to say. But you, actually, you, you'd, you'd get you'd get Frankie to get. Do you like know what a, today a, a, An army of Russian. Do you know what today to, is? By the way, not to tangent too much. But Alex Johnson's birthday. No, it's um. So Facebook memories. You're familiar with them. I am. Today is the 10 year anniversary of the Merit Day. Oh, no way, really? Yeah, so I had like 15 wall posts from mates going, Merit's fucking shit, bro. Oh, it's God. The worst day of the year. <laughs> and I didn't realize that my, one of my friends, Matt Pitarino, he listens to the show, shout out. He had messaged me privately saying happy anniversary with a, <laughs> with a sky blue hat, uh, a sky blue love heart as well. I was like, the the thing I do that's a bit like that is Mitch's birthday was the same night as the Trent Hodkinson try in Origin 2. Mm. So for, I think for three or four years, I'd message him on his birthday. I wouldn't say happy birthday. I'd say happy Hodko day, mate. Yeah. Bring that back. <laughs> Bring it back. But yeah, Scott Drinkwater, just terrific again. Um, I th- he, he might be my favourite player to watch in the entire league. We've said that before. You know? And it's true because we don't have to care about the bad defensive things because yep. we're not Cowboys fans. But also, he made a try saver in the first half of this game. He did. So, that, was a re- that was a real happy learned how to putt moment. Yeah, yeah, I didn't like that. Um <laughs> But yeah, he was he was great. I think it's it's clear how much um how how much like 
how much strike mm. and creativity he offers for the cows. I thought Tom Dearden was fantastic as well, not just with his running game, which is really, which is always really good, but that pass to to Tal Lungy for the first try was yeah. really, really smart. You know, without like I th- like fully loaded. If the cows had all their Origin guys and Tal Malolo, I thought they were a really big chance in this mm. game. Once Tal Malolo got ruled out, I was like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. They got a lot of guys who played on Wednesday. It's a lot to back up from. Playing there's soulless and cold and shit else. God, it sucks. But they were they were they were excellent. And it's the most as good performances thing, they've had this I year. I think that's the most good is, is that we talk about the Cowboys record in Sydney this year. They were 0 and four with three three big scores put on them in those four games. So mm. to turn around and just blitz them, I think this is easily by a distant South's worst performance of the year. But uh, it's it's mudded their for and against. It's it's really sort of hammered home how dire the last month has been. And it's especially frustrating because they navigated that really tough part of their schedule earlier in the season where they beat Brisbane, Penrith and the Storm in the space of a few weeks and we and, and got to the top of the ladder after that win over the Tigers and we kind of thought, well, they've navigated that part and now comes the part where they play sort of some of the lesser teams in the mm. next few weeks and they should be able to really sort of go on with it now but they haven't done that and look, it, this ha- this happened to South in 2019. Origin completely destroyed their season. They just, like, It was a different... Different in 2019 was more about destroying Cody Walker's confidence and a couple of guys got hurt and they never recovered from it. And I'm really just hoping that that doesn't happen again here because he hasn't been the same player since since he picked up a little knock a couple of weeks ago. Campbell Graham's still good, but like it's clear that the origin stuff's still pissing him off. Keon's had his head turned by some stuff, as you mentioned earlier. We haven't seen Latrell Mitchell because he got injured at origin training and... Damien Cook again. I thought he like he thought he just dropped the ball at dummy half trying to pick it up in this game. Like, well, he's a natural center. What did you? Oh, expect? Well, that's uh, well, you you were, you were waiting, weren't you? Yeah, I was. Proud, <laughs> proud but, but it's like started talking about the guys who played Origin. I was like, I got to yeah. drop a cookie. And even even Cam had a really bad period in this game where I think he got he, he threw a stupid pass which Tom Burgess dropped, and then I think he gave away that penalty that gifted them the penalty goal to make it 19-6, which is not a dangerous league. That's not the most dangerous league no. in every league. So, yeah, I remember he just stripped the ball out when, I don't know who was running, but got up to play the ball and he just ripped the ball out. It was so stupid. So, like, every Origin guy or every guy that's been adjacent to Origin in that period has just been really off the boil recently. And you, you add in the injury to Tom Burgess, Saliva Vili still working his way back. And I'm not saying it explains why they've been this bad, but you're just sort of hoping that they can find something in the next two weeks, like win one of these next two games against the Warriors, Bulldogs, get the bye, get Latrell Mitchell back for that last six weeks of the season and sort of rediscover themselves. Because we talk about Manly being a one-man team, but South's not that far behind them. Well, I what would worry me if I was a South fan is what happened last year when Trell missed all that time with his, with his hamstring injury. And when he came back, he transformed South and they looked like one of the best teams of the competition. But because they'd had because they'd missed him for so long and dropped so many winnable games that they slipped down to seven. Six or seven. Well, six yeah, or seventh seven, or whatever. I can't remember. Yeah. So all of a sudden, it leaves yourself with a lot to do at the end of the season when the, when the, big, came, when the big games are on and the time mm. comes to really, to really step it up and start throwing some haymakers, you know? So, and, and, and to me, in this game, they looked a lot like the team did without Luttrell last year. So I, I, that, what would worry me is just sort of, that took, like I don't think this will happen, but what would worry me is if this keeps happening and that top four slips away from them a little bit and then all of a sudden they've got to try and win it the all. The only thing in their favour is if the comp's so congested yeah. 
that I don't think it can slip away from them. Yeah. Because they're like, mate, we 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 we've got the knives out for Souths and we're I'm I'm writing their obituary on the air right now, but they're a win off they're a win behind Penrith. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, it, it, it's like, yeah, I, I get I get what you're saying. It's just that if I was a pessimistic Souths fan, yes. that that is what would worry yeah, me. Yeah, I'm trying is to approach that, is this we've, as, we've, is that we've seen this happen to them before. Yeah, yeah, we have. I'm just trying I, I'm just trying to look at this as sort of not optimistically, but as realistically as I can. And like, yeah, the defense has been atrocious the last few weeks. But again, I just think that so much of this is down to the guys they've been missing along with sort of, I just don't think the mood around the camp is that good right now. I think that the club as a whole and some of them feel a bit miffed about how some of those players are being treated by the state in general. I'm not saying that, I'm not making an excuse. I'm not saying that's that's right. I'm just saying that like my interpretation of how things are at the club right now is that mood is kind of down and that there's only one thing that's going to fix that. And he's... And, and it's and it's a it's a big thick cure <laughs> that's going to be walking through the door in a couple of weeks' time. But they've got I I don't really have much hope. They've never won. They've from memory they've not won many games in New Zealand ever. And then you know hopefully they will wait and see who gets picked for Origin. But they'll get the Bulldogs hopefully without Burton and Josh Adokar and win that. And then what if they lose? They win one of the next two and they're ten and eight going to their second bye with five or six games after that that are all very winnable. Mm. So. Whilst things are bad, they are still, you know, I, I, they are eighth on the ladder, which is hilarious. But again, they've got more wins than the team that's <laughs> that in third. That is so dumb, isn't it? So yeah. it's so stupid. <laughs> but um, the team in fourth, I don't know, wherever the Sharks are. But um, like, I'm not too worried. They've, they, uh, like, they get the, Warri- the Warriors and the Broncos are really the only tough games they've got left. Every other game is very, very winnable. And even the Broncos game is when that is the game that Luttrell is set to return for. So hopefully that they can just... Yeah, as I said, get one win out of the next two, get to that second buy, and then and then work things out. But yeah, the mood mood is about as low as it could be for Souths right now. Um, we didn't talk about Elias as much as I thought we were going to, but um, oh, you kind of just said it all. I thought, yeah, um, I'm already dreaming about signing Jonah Pezzett or getting Aiden Caesar. Well, no, back well, Jonah Jonah Pezzett's got to come home to Canberra. Oh, is he from Canberra? No, he's from Newcastle. Oh, right, okay. also known as. North Canberra, pick him, pick him Freddie, <laughs> pick, pick him Freddie. Yeah, but like I'd love, like honestly, I'm already dreaming. About oh, of course, any, anyone I'd love Jonah Pezzett. But like uh, who, uh, mate? I'm fucking dreaming about signing Jack Cogger or Luke Brooks. Things have gotten <laughs> dire. Things have gotten dire very quick. I just like, yeah, it's just he hasn't kicked on in this. It, 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 we can't talk about potential anymore. He's had a year and a half in, in my opinion, probably the best situation possible for a young halfback at the moment. Like maybe. Maybe the Storm or Penrith is as good, but like mm. you're splitting hairs there, I think. You know, playing next to Cody Walker with Damien Cook at Hooker, Latrell Mitchell at fullback, and the, probably the best forward pack in the league. So, yeah, the fact that he's not ever been even man of the match in a single game is concerning. It is. It is. I, uh, I'll tell you what is concerning if you've got to play the Cows in the next couple of weeks because they're getting everyone back mm. and they're looking very, very handy. And they seem to be just be... Dragon fellows up as well. Like that Finiku Fuwaki on the on the left edge was, well. was really hey, powerful. Why didn't Souths attack the Hiku Valame side at all? They just kept going at Val Holmes and Murray Talangi. I don't know why. Good question. Thank you. Good question. But yeah, the, the, like the Cowboys are getting all their guys back. The, I think it'd be a long, long time since they had anything close to their best mm. forward pack on the field. But they're getting all the pieces back together. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, like you know, with guys like Holmes and Talangi really hitting form. I think Dearden's having the best season in his career, and Talmalolo's eventually going to come back and be a part of this team every week again. And then with Scotty Drinkwater calling the shots from the back, like that's a dangerous team. Yeah, and yeah. I wouldn't I wouldn't want to mess with them. No, I wouldn't nor, want to mess with them. I. They're, they're they're t- and we kind of wrote we kind of wrote the obituary for them after they had a very, very ordinary first half of the year, mm. but looking a lot better. Three wins on the bounce. Some yeah. good stuff. Again, like Picking Freddie. 
Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. So, like, if the Broncos and the Warriors are the two new teams breaking into the top eight this year, it's going to be interesting to see which two teams are the two from last year that fall out. But I think one of them is going to be the Sydney Roosters, who lost to the Canberra Raiders. They last sure night. did. Um, well, you could. You, I think it's only right you get the lead on this one. <laughs> so. Uh, but, uh, apparently a fan tried to introduce himself to you with five minutes to go and you shooed him away. No, that was a, that was a, that was a mutual friend of ours. That was Aaron Wally. Wallace. Oh, was it actually? Yeah, it was, yeah. <laughs> so he's a statistician over at Fox Sports. He's a really, he's a good, he's a good, good guy. I get on really well with him, but yeah, it's five minutes to go. Canberra's defending their line and Wally, who's a mad, mad Roosters man, like one of the maddest Roosters men you've, you'd ever meet in your life, chose that time to come up and try and have a chat. And I was like, well, just not now, brother. Not right now, mate. I'm That's dialed very in. funny. No, um, yeah, I think like Canberra, Canberra's sort of in that in that pack. That's all like it's probably about six or seven teams now. That's probably chasing some sort of spot in the lower half of the eight. And when you when it's two of those when two of those teams meet, the match takes on a double importance because you're not just winning yourself; you're taking a win away from a team that's so close to you on the ladder. And I think it was really important that Canberra were able to rebound from that tough loss against the Warriors and just show show a little bit of ticker and show a little bit of a fire and sort of show how much that stung them. And you could see in the first half, like why this is it, why this is a team that, that is in that mix. Cause they were, you know, they were very physical and they defended really well and they competed really hard. And that's kind of their trademark. They don't have some of the nice attacking structures of the other teams. They just go hard and hope stuff works out. And sometimes it does. Sometimes Jack White is able to soar over James Sesco and sometimes, Jared Croker is inexplicably able to piece up Joe Manu, mm. and Hudson Young throws forward passes, but the ref lets it go because Hudson Young's the nice, the nicest boy. Let the boys play. Yeah, um, I will say though that when they were up eighteen nil and the Roosters went in for that last attack, I did say to several people with me, "If the Roosters score here, they're going to win the game." And then get and getting that double strike either side on halftime to Joe Manu, I won't lie to you, I was. Uh, I was not feeling great. I was not in the best of places. Mm. But then they did really well, and they sort of dug in and defended on their own line for extended periods of time, showed some really, really good intensity in their goal line defense, which hasn't always been there this year. They have been very shaky defensively on occasions. Um, and then they just sort of held on when it when it really, really mattered. I, I, I will say that after the Collins try, when the Roosters sort of made a half break and, and Tedesco was pushing up in support and they threw him the pass, I thought that was right in front of us, like directly in line. Yep. I thought he was going to catch it and I thought they were going to score. And that he, probably leads us into the the bigger thing from this game more than anything than, that the Raiders was, did is that yeah, Tedesco's having a really tough time and he, and he was bad in this game. What's happened? Well, I think it's a couple of things. I think it's clear it's clear he's sort of he's in a bit of a funk. He's low on confidence right now. And I imagine that would be tough for him to deal with because when was the last time he played badly? Mm. Like it's legit going back to 2016, 2015 mm. since he's had a run like this. So he's just not used to it. So I think that's part of the reason he's not passing the ball as much. I think when he's low on confidence, he goes back to his greatest strength, which is his running game. He's always been a, a run first player, but it kind of just, that can kind of stifle up the attack while he's trying to discover his mojo. I think there's part of it as well. He is getting on a little bit. He turned 30 earlier this year. He's got a lot of miles on the belt. And I think he's one of those blokes who has suffered for not getting in a full preseason because he was part of the World Cup campaign all the way to the end. And I think he's just getting to that point in his career where like some things have got to change. Maybe that's just something in his body, something in his training. 
something like that. But he 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 needs he need. I think he needs a change. You talk about for the you, first we talked about this before. Fullbacks being able to adapt their game as they go along, and guys like Brett Stewart and Billy Slater were able to do that. It's yeah. just a wonder. Of, it's just a matter of if James Tedesco is able to do that as well, because he had the injuries early on in his career, like a really tough start to his to his rugby league career in terms of those injuries. Um, and then you're right, the way he plays, the physical running style, just. A, a big contact guy. Yeah, yeah, lot, like, lot, just a lot of miles on the belt. Like it's it's not been uncommon for years now for him to have twenty five plus carries in a game, yeah. every game, mm. you know. And it's just, it's just a lot. It's just a lot of tread off the tires, you know. And it's it's interesting as well because I think Roosters fans hated Joe Manu in the halves, and rightfully so. It just mm-hmm. didn't work. And obviously, back in centers in this game played fantastically, but you almost start to wonder whether. They look at trying him out at fullback late in the year. I, I if, don't think so. If the fi- if if things have gone completely off the board, nah, I don't think so, mate. I even champions can get into ruts sometimes, and I think with with Tedesco standing at that club, you have to give him every opportunity to work out of it. Even even if even if it takes until next season, even if it takes a, an off season for it to happen. Like this isn't this is this is a club legend. We're talking I guess the about, issue is man. he this can't is really a, play any other position. Well, he? yeah, like this is yeah. a this is a this is the best player on 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 two premiership teams. This is the this is the best player that they've probably had what since Sonny Bill since Brad Fittler. Like yep. yeah, that's how that's how good this guy is. This is what he has meant to that club. I think maybe Minichello, but oh, that Teddy's better than Mini. Oh yeah, but I mean since Mini, yeah, yeah but like he was that sort of level of. But legend, but, but that, that that's what I'm saying. You have to give him. Yeah, every chance, yeah. and I think the roost. I think the roosters will. That might be frustrating for some of their fans to hear, but um, you'll finish twelfth, and you'll like it. Stop <laughs> sucking. Um, just more Raiders stuff, really quickly. Seb Chris was really, really strong at fullback. He had he's had a bit of a tough time at the last couple of weeks, but he really got back to what he does well, which is running hard and supporting around the ruck, and just really competing on stuff. His positional play and defence is still a concern, but that's just always going to be a concern. I don't think that's ever going to get. Much better, so we're just going to have to deal with it. Um, Albert Hopewadi really good on the wing. I thought his work rate was fantastic. Joe Tarpanay had probably his best game of the season, which they really needed, given Josh Papaliti went off early with that hamstring injury. Um, and I thought Fogarty kicked really well for him as well. And that's kind of a, a consistent theme in a lot of their good wins this year. When Fogarty kicks well, they almost they invariably almost they invariably win. You know, it's a really important thing for them. And I I think Fogarty. It's almost like he doesn't understand how good his kicking game can be. He's got a serious, serious boot on him, and it's just like it just doesn't come out as often as as often as you'd like. But I, I do like that he's taking a little bit more control of the attack. I think the team looks a lot better when like Whiten's almost playing off ball and Fogarty's sort of running the show. And you know, you can say that this was a, an unconvincing win for Canberra, or you can say that they nearly blew an eighteen nil lead, but they keep doing just enough mm. when it counts. Their biggest win you know? of the year after being up by eighteen points. <laughs> is it really? Well, you don't see the stats. So they've been up at eighteen by eighteen three times this year, and they've won by one, one, and now two. God, what a team of lunatics! I hate them, but I also I, love I them. want you to finish first with a negative one hundred for it. It is insane that you look at the differentials of all the teams around them, and they're mm. not all just positive. They're all like super yeah, positive. One seventy five, eighty seven, eighty three, seventy four, sixty four, negative sixty nine, nice. one hundred thirty two, seventy four. That's what can I eight. say, man? <laughs> Tip of the spear, edge of the knife. They're dead, but they're alive. They're twin track, brother. Uh, like, yeah, I know. I, <laughs> I, I don't have any sort of grand expectations for this season. I'm, I'm not thinking they're going to make the top four or win the comp or whatever, but they just keep doing it, man. Mm. They just keep doing it. And they, they might not look impressive, but when it when it's really counted, they've found a way. So it's good stuff. Keep winning, boys. I yeah. love it. Really quick Thursday preview. Sharks, Dragons, Shark Park, 
The slaughter. line is 17 and a half points. Yeah, they're going to slaughter them, aren't they? Like, I just... Like, I mean, again, maybe we'll be wrong. I think sometimes we, we do sort of write teams off too quickly, but I just think it's not just the players the Dragons have. It's the fact that we don't know what's going to be happening with Ben Hunt, if he's going to play, if he's even going to be at the club anymore. And whether he is or he isn't, the sort of atmosphere that that's fomented with everyone. I think yeah. that they're in a real dark place right now. Yeah. Th- and what are the Sharks love doing more than anything? <laughs> Beating the shit out of bad teams. Yeah. And I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Yeah. yeah. I, the, the, the Dragons are now on a death march to the end of the season. Like o- October can't come quickly enough for them. You know, they're ready to shut it all down, boot it up, re- restart it and, and try it and try something different. And um, the Sharks are probably, you know, going to do what they did to the Bulldogs and just rip them to shreds with all that beautiful attacking footy. We know they can play... At times, yeah. So the seventeen, the line seventeen and a half. I might take the sharks minus seventeen. This is a. This is very much for the. This is very much for the neutrals. A watch the first thirty minutes, then flick the ashes on. Love it. Great plan. <laughs> that's a. That's a great Thursday night. Simi Renrandra trying the chip and chase. Oh, this will be interesting. Oh, yes, it will, yes. Semi Randrandra. Oh, he's absolutely buried it. Randrandra. All right, some news before we get out of here. Um, so, we talked about the Ben Hunt stuff already. Um, we talked about the Reese Walsh stuff already. What is there to talk about? I think that's about it. To be honest with you, that's, that's kind of we've kind of we've well, got to find something. Well, we just want, I think we just wanted to play the news drop. Well, we have to play the news drop. We have drop. to play that's the why. news drop. Yeah. So is there any, any signings? Anything? Uh not that I not that spring to mind. No. I'm sure there's something. There's always something. Mm. Oh well, yeah. Well, here's something. Okay. Brooks bombshell. Tigers star set to join. South Sydney. Manly. When? I mate, I'm just seeing this now. I went up 31 minutes ago. Oh well, that's worked out perfectly for yeah. us. Fantastic. The de- the deal, I was ready deal. to leave the news section with Titans hooker set for Super League return in 2024. <laughs> Cru- Cruz leaving, I'm sorry. We've, <laughs> run, out, we've, run, out, we've run out of time. Okay, so the deal will span three years and be announced shortly. Brooks recruitment, joining incumbent Daily Chair events, will give Manly a world-class halves combination from next season. I don't know about that. Well, well, but that's a, that, is, that is an interesting Oh, that did one. remind me of the last two finding news also. Um, oh yeah, yeah. That's, that's anyway. But let's 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 talk Brooksy. Brooks. Brooksy, Brooksy to Manly. That pisses me off. I wanted yeah? him. You wanted him. Yeah. Mm. That's. I mean, look. I get the. I get it because I think for a lot, a lot of people have said that Brooks does his best work when he's not having to organize everything. And like, yep. I think that he did have some good games there with Jackson Hayes when Jackson Hayes was there with him. That's true. Sort of taking the lead on things. And Daly Evans is a great organizer. He'll definitely take the lead on things. Um, Manly have got some strike weapons when they're fit to to give the ball to as well. Um, it's it's a nice fit for him in terms of the way he'll be asked to play, and I think that perhaps for him being a six next to Cherry Evans with Tom Tavoyevich in that spine as well is a lot better for his game and a lot better for his chances of having a successful twenty twenty four than hypothetically going to the Dragons and having to be the guy after Ben Hunt. Well, that's the thing; like, it's not all going to be on him. Yeah, you know, like Cherry's there and Turbo's there. Schuster will be there too. This move is more interesting to me because of what it means for Schuster. Mm. So I would imagine that Schuster now would, is going to shift to back row to or second center. to se- yeah. well, se- second row, probably where he's played some really great footy in the past. And again, that's another creative outlet for them down that left hand side. So I think that th- th- this move sort of increases the playmaking capabilities of their team. And yeah, 
that's probably something they need, given how much they struggle. Yeah, Schuster's not when, when wowed me in there. the halves. I think he's better on an edge anyway. Yeah, so. uh, look, i, I got to say, I've been pretty disappointed with the season yeah. he's put together, and I am a big, big Schuster you fan. Are. And I am a lot more forgiving than most, but this is a pr- this is a pretty... This is a signal of pretty clear intent mm. for Manly, I would say, that in our big fella, you're on, you're on the edge until further notice. We gave you the shot in the halves, and you just haven't done all that much with it, brother. So, Yeah. A, a Brooks-Cherry-Evans halves combination will be probably more scrutinised by the average fan than oh, any yeah. halves combination Big in time. history, though. The thing is, on, on, on paper, I don't mind that fit. I'm just not sure if Seabold's going to be the man to get yeah, the best Yeah, and that, well, that's my other thing. It's like, right now... And it will be the same whether Luke Brooks is there or not. They're a Tom Tavoyevich injury away from being an irrelevancy in the in the NRL. That's mm. just that's just how manly are at the moment. And so I wonder if you're Luke Brooks, did you not want to at least maybe wait and see what the Roosters are doing or what Souths are doing or what some other sort of established heavyweights are doing in terms of their hard situations for 2024. But I, I don't know, man. I, I, I think we might have got it wrong the other week um, when we were sort of talking about it like... He had he he had pick of the litter. I don't really Maybe. know if it's like that. I there is a dearth of it. There is a dearth of experienced options in the halves for clubs that are going to market. But I don't know. I I, I, I wonder if the market for him wasn't as hot as as, as we might have clearly. Thought. Yeah, so, like must have been okay. But the, the real question here: Does Luke Brooks for life continue if he plays for Manly, a team that you don't like that much? Um, I don't hate Manly as much as most South fans no. or most people. I don't really have strong feelings towards Manly. Like, I've always... I've liked a lot of their players. I like most of their fans that, that we're friends with. Uh, th- I mean, the Pride jersey thing was the, really the thing that made me dislike Manly over anyone else. But Sorry, uh, over anything else. But I'm not naive enough to think that that exact situation would not have happened with some Christian players at any club. Mm. So, I don't think that's a stick you can beat Manly with either. So, yeah, I don't hate Manly as much as most... most maybe because I'm too young to remember when Manly used to poach all of yeah. South's good players in the 1970s. Poppy Bungo still goes on about Ray Brannigan and... <laughs> And some other people, but yeah, um, I don't know. Like, it's like I, I wish Luke Brooks the best. I like Cherry Evans, so which again is a very controversial opinion. But yeah, look, it, in terms of people that don't like Luke Brooks already, it's it's great for them. <laughs> it's, it's really great for them what a day for the Luke Brooks haters! Because <laughs> like, short of him, like I don't know, going to Parramatta to reunite with Mitch Moses, this is this is as this is as booable a team as he could have probably gone to. So okay, I I got to tell you, I got to make an announcement. Mm-hmm. Once he leaves the Tigers, the Luke Brooks for life it's campaign, dead. it's over. It's over because right. a big. Well, you're in charge. I'm, well, I'm a big, just a member. A big, a big part of the Luke Brooks for life stuff was the abject futility of both team and player. And the fact that he was a local boy come good. It was yeah. like there was a lot of things that sort of really appealed to my sensibilities. So if he's going to, to Manly and he's leaving the Tigers behind, that's fine. We are, But we are amicably, amicably winding up the loop. They'll Brooks be burning effigies campaign. on Piss Mountain next year. <laughs> <laughs> what if he scores the winner against the Tigers and kisses the Manly badge? Oh, Jesus Christ. The heel turn. I'm here for the Luke Brooks heel turn. Luke Brooks heel turn. You know maybe. I love a heel. Maybe. Okay. For his first Manly game, do they have a flaming one? On yes, there, and yes, they, they every do. like the flaming two hundred, and every week they just keep adding to I'm it. I'm here for dark Brooksy. He dark or Brooksy. Brooksy dyes his hair blonde, just goes oh, full blonde villain. Brooksy. Oh my god, fits in with the beach aesthetic up there on, in Manly. Yeah, like, fuck yeah. Says things like, "Yeah, it's just nice to be at a, a real winning club." Yeah, you know? like, yep. Some where the fans are more attractive. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't smell in the city that I live in now. I would love full I, heel, Brooksy. You know what I would love? Blonde Brooks, and then go the Jeff Tuvey. 
yes. head type as yes. well. Because he's got a big bonds on him. I reckon that'd yes. be a strong look for him. All right, we've agreed. So wait, is it do, do we is it is it a rebrand for the heel bro? We go from Luke Brooks for life till to Luke Brooks till death. Yeah, okay, that's it. Luke Brooks much, for life is over. Luke Brooks till death has only it's, just it's begun. much more sinister. <laughs> My reign of terror has only just begun. Oh, but ours has ended because that is the end of the show. But before we get out of here, quick thank you to the people in the top two tiers on our Patreon service. If you'd like to support us, patreon.com forward slash because you get access to our Discord server, an extra show every single week, merchandise discounts, and plenty more. So, thank you to Chris Avnell, Dave, Rocky and Rafi, Stu, Where's Wayno, Alex Sergicomi, Butsy, Chewbacca Snuffleupagus, Dan Cullinane, David, Doc Hogg, an anonymous backer, Ed Burton, Frankie, Freddy's Deep Blue Ocean Gate Tours, Horsborough Scores, Jace Felix Farmworth, Jason, Joel Wrigley, Joey Jojo, Joe Jr., John, Josh Brandon, Kicks House Out of the Comp, Lachlan Hancock, Lifelong Dolphins Fan, Luke Charles Smidmore, Maddie Jenkins, Marooned Gossard, Matthew Duggan, Michael Murray, Mr. Beefy, Morgan Watkins, my name is Matt Bungard and I love Taylor Swift, my my ding ding dong is hard and I am sad. Never trendy. Pat McManus, Pete Fulcher, Reese Brown, Rowan Edwards, Roxanne Clark. See you in Vegas. Shunter, Ty, TB, the black vegetable. The New South Wales Blues never dug coal together. Thor, Tom Hardy, Was, and West Lies podcast. Thank you so much for your support to everyone in the lower tiers and to everyone who just listens. Thank you as well. So you want to explain the Blues didn't dig coal together? Okay, so there's a really great show called Justified. It's so um, it's a sort of it's a neo western type thing. Stars Timothy Oliphant as U.S. Marshal Raylan Givens, who deals with all these problems by shooting them. But he's always justified. In but doing that shoot it. that shooting is always justified. It's a great great show. The main villain of the show is played by Walton Goggins. Love Walton Goggins. And him and Timothy Oliphant's character were knew each other as young men. They dug coal together, and they dug coal together in the in the mines of Harlan County, Kentucky. And they're not friends. They're not enemies. But they dug coal together. And the Blues didn't dig coal together. Watch Justified. It's a great it's so, show. Well, I mean, so you got me sick. onto it a week and a half ago. And my wife and I have watched a season and a half of it already. It's so awesome, bro. I'm going to watch like it. four episodes in a row after we wrap here. Good. And you would be justified in um, giving yourself a pat on the back for getting to the end of this show. So congratulations to you. And to, to all your future successes that are no doubt going to come <laughs> as a result of listening. To Boom Rookie. That's right. And it'll make you more handsome. You'll mm. stand up straighter. Your teeth will be whiter. And if any of you want to dye your hair, your hair, will be, your hair will be more buoyant. I was going to say, if any of you want to dye your hair blonde, start wearing a Jeff Tuvey headband and doing various villainous acts, <laughs> we'll support you. We won't pay the court fees, but we'll, we might come to the courtroom. Tie someone to the train tracks we'll and swindle <laughs> them out of their inheritance. We'll sit quietly in the back row of the courtroom, <laughs> silently in support of you. And why are we there? Because we dug coal together. That's right. All right. Say goodbye, Campo. Goodbye, Bertrand. That's goodbye from me.